Welcome to the Design Break Podcast, a new podcasting experience designed to help you break into the creative world and grow your career. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, a freelance illustrator and designer, and I'm here to help you. So let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of Design Break Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Rourke, and today I have something amazing. I have someone amazing, and that is Shauna Lynn Pancheson. Did I say it right? Hopefully I said it right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did it. You guys have no idea how long it's taken me to figure that out. Been, I've known Shauna for, what, like years now, right? It's been like three yeah. or four years, and I still cannot say your last name right all the time. Not everyone can. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very interesting name. It's like when you look at the spelling of it, you're like, uh, what? <laughs> All right. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Shauna? You know, basically tell us like all the, the good stuff, the easy stuff and everything. Okay. Um, well, I'm Shauna Lynn Pancheson. I'm a hand-loading artist and illustrator now located in Chicago, Illinois, previously Orlando, Florida. I've been working in the field for nine years, but I'm working as a freelancer for six as of this month. Got into freelancing because I got fired from an agency job and I have been very successful in terms of like working with some really awesome clients and having the opportunity to do work that I never would have thought about doing. And I love Disney and Harry Potter. <laughs> Who doesn't love Disney and Harry Potter? Of course, I actually, I'm Heathens. starting to... Well, I'm actually starting to, I don't know, not fall out of love for Disney, but not be as like, oh, there's a new Disney movie out. I have to go see it. I guess it's, yeah. I went to Disneyland too much, maybe. I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm going to Epcot next week and I'm like, the little five-year-old <laughs> in me is giddy as hell. But being up here, I thought like, oh, I'm going to miss Disney so much. I'm going to miss my access to Disney so much. And Looking back, I really didn't go as much as I, I thought I would, simply because the time it took to get into the park, the crowds, <laughs> the weather, and it was just like, you know, if I wanted to go to Disney, like, I thought, like, oh, I could just do, like, a half day there, but if I went, like, I wanted to spend time, because the amount of yeah. time it took me to get there, it was only about a half hour drive if there was no traffic, but otherwise it was, it would just take forever, especially to get into Magic Kingdom, because you had to take a boat or a monorail from parking, and... <laughs> Yeah. Then wait to get in. So it was just it, if I if I ever did stints in Disney, it was generally I would just go to like Epcot and walk around. But yeah. I mean, I went once when I was a kid. I was like maybe ten or eleven years old. I went with my my aunt and uncle, and honestly, I didn't like it because I didn't like the lines. I never experienced a theme park or anything like that, and it was just really stressful. But then I come to uh, when I moved out to California. I go and get a. Uh, I go and take my mom to Disneyland because we had never been to a theme park together, and so I was like, "Oh, this is a nice little thing," and I loved it. Looking at yeah. Disneyland versus Disney World, it's two different things because Disneyland yeah. is smaller and not as crowded. Which anyone who's listening to this who lives in California and goes to Disneyland, you're probably like, "Are you kidding me?" It is always crowded, but no. When you look at Disney World, that is ten times worse. Yeah, and it's. It's ridiculous because it, it becomes like wall-to-wall packed in some places. And even navigating by yourself, it's stressful. Oh, yeah. I still have to make it to Disneyland one of these days. And I'm hoping I'm hoping to make that happen this year because I have a wedding in California later this year. Time-wise, if I can make it happen, I might try to make it happen even if it's just like <laughs> two days. You know what you should do is you should try and come out to Adobe Max this year. And that way, um, you know, Adobe Max is being held in Los Angeles again. 
and yeah. it's so close to Disneyland. I'm sure like Peter Del Tondo and a bunch of other people will be trying to plan some sort of trip or meetup or something there around that time. Yeah. So if I could make that happen, I think I I'm gonna at least try because I've looked and I know the dates are I think like two weeks after the wedding I'm gonna be out there for, but I also have to <laughs> factor in that like. That would be another trip to California two weeks later. And then three or like a month after that wedding, I have to go to Florida for another wedding. Or you could try and figure out some way of just staying out out there for those two weeks. <laughs> you never know. Like we both have tons know. of friends all over the place. Like I'm sure that you yeah. might be able to find someone like, hey, can I crash on your couch so that I can finally, yeah. you know, make my dream come true of going to Disneyland? And I'm sure someone would probably say yes. Yeah. Well, you never know. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Let's jump into some of these questions because I've got a lot of them, actually. <laughs> so I remember hearing, I can't remember where it was I, I heard about this, but I remember hearing something interesting and in, actually I think it was another podcast interview and that is actually that your dad uh, was actually the one who suggested that you get into graphic design as a career. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Basically, like I've always had a had a love of art I've been doing art since I could hold a pencil and my parents were always very very encouraging when it came to that aspect but my mom was like I don't know what she's gonna do with art for a living and you know they always (laughs) just they encouraged it but they always figured it would be a hobby and so when I was in ninth grade I took a computer graphics class in at my high school and I it was prior to like me ever having a Wacom tablet and I remember, like, that year was the first time I'd ever actually seen one, and that was because the Campbell's Soup at Hand commercial had one. <laughs> I was painting, like, with a mouse. Yeah. And that year was, like, my first real introduction to Photoshop. I was, like, 13. And it was, like, Photoshop 5 or 6 or something, and it was, like, nowhere near the behemoth it is now. And yeah. I did this, and we were doing this one one piece where we had to basically recreate a photograph, like paint a picture mm-hmm. from a photo. And I did one of my dog in my grandma's backyard in Chicago. And my dad saw it and he's like, you really ought to look into, into graphic design as a career. And I go, what's that? And so he told me what it was. And <laughs> over time, I ended up finding out that he had also wanted to be a graphic designer way back when. And he is, he was actually very, very talented. So he, like, he, every now and then he'll, like, he'll come downstairs and he'll come he'll be like, look, I found this flyer I did way back when. And I'm like, you knew typography <laughs> and hierarchy. And he's like, and we didn't have fancy computers then either. <laughs> but he, he used to do, like, lithography, screen printing. Like, he, he understands all the processes for mm-hmm. all that. So it's really fun to be able to kind of geek out with him over that. Because I ended up in college. They didn't have a graphic design major. They had a concentration. So I have a fine arts degree. Mm-hmm. And I fine arts major and a fine arts minor, which the counselors, whatever they were, they didn't recommend. They're like, we don't recommend that you do a fine arts major and a fine arts minor because they're going to have to take extra classes. And I'm like, just humor mm-hmm. me and, and plug it in and see what I have left to do. And because I had done the IB program in high school, I had knocked out all, most of my gen ed. So most of my my time in school was spent just taking extra art classes because I had to, to meet the minimum requirement. Yeah. Like to keep scholarships and stuff. Cause like all the design ones were like limited. You can, if you didn't get in that semester, you had to wait and you could only take so many a semester. So like you had to fill in that, those extra like two, three classes with like art history and drawing and painting and what have you. So when they plugged it in, they're like, Oh, you just need one more history class for each of your, for both your major and your minor. 
And I was like, well, that works out because I'm doing an art history in Rome next month and I'm doing an art history next semester. Done. Let's, let's declare them both. <laughs> That's so yeah, cool. So I was able to declare um, a painting, drawing, printmaking minor, which was a new thing that they, wow. they put together when I was there. Because they didn't have one for like screen printing and stuff. And so we were all kind of pushing for it because all of us were taking screen printing classes. But your only minor options were like painting or drawing or photography or ceramics. And we're like, hello. Yeah. Print <laughs> so making, many screen printing like, classes. Yeah. No, it, it's actually so. really interesting because like I love the parallel because I was actually it's very similar to my story because I started off like I never heard of graphic design, had no idea what it was. I was always creative and my family only mm-hmm. ever suggested architecture. Like either you mm-hmm. could try and go and be a cartoonist or you could be, you know, an architect and make tons of money. And then ninth grade, I show up and I take a graphic communications class and it completely changed, you know, my whole career path. I took that class so many times. Yeah. I took my first Photoshop was Photoshop 8. And yeah. before that, I was painting in Microsoft Paint. I don't know if you remember. Uh, yep. Yeah. Playing around I, I with was that. about that life. Yeah. I could I do remember. that. I did like pixel paintings and yep. I don't know if you remember those little like the little pixel dolls. Yeah, I remember those. Like, yeah, pixel dolls. Yeah. I used to do those. That was like my intro to like on like painting on the computer. I still remember the first day of that class, the teacher had you put, you know, what design software you knew. You know, and I mm-hmm. put MS Paint and I was like, that's right. I know how to do MS Paint. I, I'm good at it. I can beat all of you guys. And then what happens? Every Everyone like goes through and they talk about what they know and everything, who they are. And I comes to me and I'm like, I know MS Paint. That's about it for right now. And everybody starts laughing at me. I'm like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, I had no idea. I thought that was like a very good thing to be good at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I work in Photoshop, Illustrator, all these other, you know, pieces and everything. So I really, I really love that. Yeah. So I know on your website that you've been working professionally since like 2010, but how did you like get started really was like a spark that got you started? You mean just like in general? You know, like doing freelance or or anything. I know you talked about your class and your your dad and everything, but what was the thing that like pushed you towards it? I don't really know. Like I've always just, I always kind (laughs) of had that goal where I was just like, I'm going to be an artist. Yeah. I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. And I, you know, just because I always loved drawing and I didn't really realize until college that illustration necessarily was something that I could do for a living. Mm -hmm. My professor used to work on Family Guy. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Her, the early episodes, you can find her name in the credits. And she used to work on Doug. So, like... That's cool. Like, I'm jealous of that. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she comes to Creative South every year now. She gets a... Oh, you need to introduce me. Yeah. She she never tells... She doesn't tell her students until they're, like, in advanced illustration. And I'm like, but you should tell them. It's, it's yeah. like, legitimizing. You know, not that she... she And she's a fantastic illustrator and, and a boot. So, like, that was kind of, like, what opened my eyes, the fact that you could do that. And then I kind of, I look back and I think back to, like, I don't know, third grade or something. And um, I remember career day walking into one of the classrooms and there was a Spider-Man drawn on the board, on the chalkboard. And it was my friend's dad. And it never, I guess it never really occurred to me that, like, comics also were a thing that you could do for a living. He's worked for Marvel in D.C. and... He's a known figure in, like, the Marvel DC universe of artists. 
And I remember going to her house and like they'd have these figurines of like Batman and Spider-Man and all like all over the house. And I look back and I'm like, why didn't I realize back then like that was something that I could make a career out of, you know, it's weird. Yeah, I think that the reason like because I I hear that from people a lot. I hear Mm -hmm. that you don't really hear about design or illustration and stuff like that until you actually get you know older and get into like high school college and everything and i think it's just because people don't push that people don't talk about you know all of the different creative careers people don't know that you know the person who does like the chalk drawings at like supermarkets or at restaurants they actually get paid good money to go around and do those things you know people don't understand that those comics that you love to you know read every week or every month or whatever those were pay- people got paid to do that or cartoons and yeah. you know movies and stuff they don't understand that there's all of these creative careers that you can participate in and so i think that's like that is a detriment i feel like yeah and i like i know you're a few years younger than me but i know like when we were kids the internet was not as prevalent yeah my access to internet was through a dial up connection that would get me kicked off if someone <laughs> called the house yeah it you there was and there weren't like i mean like deviant art was the biggest thing back then and so seeing people like you didn't really see these people that were working in these industries you didn't see you know michael beirut polish share all these people unless you were looking in the in the correct books yeah and i didn't get exposed to those books until i was in college but at that point the internet was a little more prevalent we had swiss miss we had obduzito we had um Mm-hmm. I think Design Sponge. But even then, it was still very young. There was no Instagram yet. There was no Twitter. Facebook still required a college email address. It wasn't really until 2011, early, early 2011, that I realized that like you could actually make a career out of this. I was interning at Brunette Garcia, and Jessica Hitch's Should I Work for Free flowchart went viral. And that was my first, mm-hmm. and I think because Swiss Miss picked it up, that was my first introduction to Jessica Hish's work. And then I read the chart and I was like, this is hilarious. And then I looked at her portfolio <laughs> and realized she was making a living illustrating. Yeah. And all of a sudden that was sort of like what made me realize like, I could do this, but I don't know the steps to get there. I look at like, you know, kids in high school, kids in college now, and they have, they, they have the steps essentially laid out for them. We didn't have that luxury. Oh yeah. We had to figure it out. Yeah, and it's so funny because it's like it's like we're we're getting older and we're like, you know, these kids these days, they don't understand what they have. And that is the truth. Like I still remember, you know, and I think you you do too, like there you're right. Like there wasn't anything. Like the most we had, especially growing up, that, you know, people could make some sort of a career was those infomercials that would come on on all the channels that would be like, Can you draw this dog? Yeah. You know? spend $29 a month and learn how to draw yeah. like a professional illustrator and get paid. Yeah. And that was about it. Or like you'd go to Barnes and Noble and buy those how to draw manga books. Oh yes. Like I or loved like... those books. And like, I will say like, I was very fortunate too, because I, because I didn't really grow up with the computer in the end. Like I had a computer. I played like yeah. Muppet Treasure Island on it and Carmen San Diego <laughs> and Mavis Beacon teaches typing Yep. and Oregon Trail. Like, those are my, like, go-to games. I grew up with books. Like, my parents would take my sister. Mm-hmm. We'd go out to dinner, you know, every every couple weeks. Um, and we'd go to, like, Carabas, which happened to be near Barnes & Noble. And so afterwards, we'd go to Barnes <laughs> & Noble. And they'd say, go ahead and pick out a book. 
And so I ended up buying like my, you know, bless my parents because they'd buy me like six books in a series because I would power through them because mm. I just loved reading. Every time we'd go, I'd come up with more books and more books. And so I have this like love affair with books. I love them so much. And Same here. So it's like this, you know, they're the biggest difference between like your generation, my generation, and the ones that are just now starting to get on there is we didn't have Pinterest. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have that. We relied on books. If you needed inspiration, yeah. you went to books. And a lot of these kids don't do that anymore. They yeah. they go to yeah. the internet. They go to Pinterest. And you see a lot of the same stuff regurgitated. You see yeah, a lot over of and the, over again. You see a lot of the same styles. Like I know um, this uh, one account, Super Nice Letters on Instagram, she started posting this one style, kind of gained a big following from it. Now I'm seeing that all over. Yeah, I I started following her I think a while ago, and then I start I would see stuff, and I'm like, oh, it's it's her, and then they're like, wait, no, no, it's not, it's someone else. I'm like, whoa, like they're basically completely taking yeah. her style, and people always ask me, you know, they're like, you know, hey, you have your own style. I'm like, yeah, my style, it, like it took a while to develop, but yeah. and they're like, well, what do you get mad if other people take it? I'm like, mm, not really, because they can't do exactly what yeah. I do, and but it's it's flattering, I guess. Yeah, like to some degree, it's kind of like gosh darn it you know because like i have <laughs> it's taken me you know six years of constantly working to finally hit that style that mm -hmm. i work in now but i'm at a point where it like where i'm at doesn't quite meet where the companies i want to work for are at like i'm mm -hmm. just like i, I want to say like i'm just slightly ahead of that curve and they're yeah. not ready to take that chance with that style even though i know it could work oh yeah and but the downside is like i've seen more people copying kind of like that style I'm doing now they're mm -hmm. and they're like I'm catching like my letter forms and all this stuff kind of in there and I'm like do you know how do I, I I'm not sure how I feel about this because part of me is like I'm really flattered because I'm on the start of I'm, I'm closer to the start of kind of adjusting a trend but at the same time I'm like hire me hire me yeah. to do what I do you know <laughs> and so it's, it's really weird to kind of be on the other end of that. Cause there've been times too, that I've, I've followed other artists and I find like their styles kind of creep into mine and I have to fix that right away because it's very easy to get influenced by that. But it's mm -hmm. a, it's a matter of a lot of people not understanding inspiration versus imitation. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is like the way that I always kept myself out of that, cause that was the thing I was always afraid of. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that Someone would be like, oh, my God, you look look like yourself looks exactly like Nick Slater or yours look mm -hmm. like Andrew Kolb and everything. And what I did was I would take I would take elements, mm -hmm. you know, especially when I was developing styles, I would take elements that people did that I liked. And I would like, OK, let me see if I can recreate this. Mm -hmm. And I would recreate it. You know, I would, I would basically I would copy it, but I wouldn't share it. I would yeah. just be like, this is a learning experience. Yeah. And then I would start to manipulate it. I would start to make it a little bit more of my own. Mm -hmm. And then I would include other elements from uh, maybe other sources of inspiration. And so instead of it being imitation, it start, started to become my own thing. And that's where yeah. I get whenever I want to do a new style. I look at what other people do, but I don't copy what they do. Yeah. I start to develop well, something. And that's how, I mean, that's how inspiration works. You know, it's like essentially... Yeah taking a crock pot of everything you like you know you're the crock pot everything is coming from around you all those ingredients come together and then out comes your little style <laughs> but it's going to take several hours of simmering and out you know it's going to take time for it all to come together and mesh well enough that it becomes its own thing 
Yeah. And I actually love that analogy. It's so I good. came up with that on the spot, <laughs> and I'm really proud of that. That is going to – that's definitely going to make it into the show notes. I love that. <laughs> I had one where I, was, I, I did like an entire talk on my way downtown, and I was like – I came out with this really great analogy, and by the time I got home, I was like, shit, I can't remember what it was. And it bugged me for months, and I'm pretty sure it was finding your style as like online dating, but I'm not 100% sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, like, I have those same moments where I'm like, oh, my God, I got a great idea. Yeah. And what I literally will do is I will take out my phone and quickly record just, like, stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, like, has nothing to do with what I'm saying. And that way I can go back and I can re-listen to it. Or I can yeah. put, plug it into one of those transcription sites or something like that. Yeah. It's like those little, you know, so, little moments of brilliance. And you're like, oh, I need to keep that. I know. Oh, there's so <laughs> many times where I'm like, I have a great idea. And then it slips and I'm like, it was perfect. What the heck happened? Yeah. So yeah, so you're a, a spectacular hand lettering artist. And by the way, is it do you like it hand lettering artist or do you like it hand lettering designer? Because there's there's so many different ways that people say it, and I want to you know be respectful yeah. to to what you like to be called. I, I generally go with like hand lettering artist because like I don't feel like a designer so much. Like mm-hmm. to me, hand lettering designer sounds more like someone that manipulates typography and fonts and things mm, yeah like they manipulate typefaces okay. to work whereas everything i do starts from scratch and not that they don't start from scratch but i feel like there's a there's a kind of a a more structured versus loose if that makes sense yeah yeah it, it makes total sense and because like i never even knew that there was a different like people actually had because like who was it? It was uh, Dina Rodriguez. Um, she had a talk, I think, at Creative South, and she went on a tangent about I want to be called a hand lettering designer versus a lettering artist, or I can't remember which one it was. It was one of those, but mm-hmm. I remember she went on a tangent about that. I was like, "Whoa, wait, what?" Like, yeah, there's like people want to be called. It completely blew me away, and so that's why I was like, from now on, whenever I talk to people, I'm like, yeah. "Okay, which do you like to be called?" Because I don't want you to get mad at me. I don't want you to throw something at me or anything like that. I know that but, there's like hand letterer versus hand lettering artist. That's the one I've heard, and I yeah. really don't lean towards either one. I actually feel like I'm more of an illustrator than anything. Yeah, I think that because for one. You know, we've worked together uh, on stuff uh, like Slaptastic mm-hmm. and everything, and you've created so many amazing, you know, stickers for that. And it's it's really cool to see because I love your hand lettering. I think it's like I, I, it's amazing. I'm always oh, like thanks. looking at it and I'm like, I wish I could do that. Like you have no idea. I'm jealous of anyone that can do it. And so I try to do it myself. It doesn't always work out. But your illustrations too, like I, I still remember my favorite sticker that you ever created was this Medusa oh, uh, illustration. The tell me I'm pretty one. <laughs> yes. I that I is still that to this one. day, that is my favorite sticker that you design. And it's just so cool because it's so cute. And I'm like, this is like the epitome of Shauna's style to me. Like I just I love I love that. But I I'm curious because like you know, a lot of illustrators, they sometimes they go into hand lettering and everything like that. But what got you into that? Like what made you jump from being, you know, going into like graphic design and illustration into doing hand lettering? So it's actually funny because like seeing stuff that I used to do versus like what I do now, there's a definite progression. And mm-hmm. like when my when my parents were getting ready to move up here, my sister was clearing out the garage she found stuff that I was doing on notebooks in like third or fourth grade. I was doing bubble lettering 
And like, <laughs> I've always lettered without realizing what it was. Mm. And I like, I did it in college. I, if there wasn't like a, a typeface that I could find that would work, I'd make it. And I feel like that was something that sort of set my work apart from kind of like all my classmates is once I realized that I could do that and I didn't have to follow like what people liked versus, you know, and I just started doing what I liked, regardless of what my teachers thought. <laughs> that was kind of when I, I kind of leveled up a bit and realized like, I could do this. But it was when I was working at my internship, they had me hand letter a poster that ultimately made it into ComArts. And Ooh. yeah, and <laughs> which is a fantastic accolade when you're literally right out of college. And, um, Oh yeah. And they, and they credited me on it, which was even better. They, they had me letter stuff at that internship. And like I said, it was right when Jessica Hish was really coming onto the scene. And it was like Jessica Hish, Dana Tanamachi, Eric Marinovich, like that, the OG crew, essentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were, they were kind of setting that precedent. They were setting that, that trend. And all of a sudden I realized, I love to do this. I could see myself doing this and I want to do this. And my initial plan was like, I wouldn't be doing freelance until I was like 35. That was the the initial plan. And then that happened 10 years earlier than planned. And it ultimately ended up being like a fantastic thing, you know, cause I, it was that poster really the world of foot that all of a sudden it like sparked this obsession. And I began just lettering in my downtime, lettering at home, lettering. I mean, it was just like constant. And that's mm-hmm. where I found that love. But looking back, I, I, I've done it my whole life. See, like for me, and this is, it's still, it's so funny because for me, hand lettering, even when I was a kid, I hated doing it. Whenever yeah. I would try and do hand lettering or even bubble letters and stuff like that, it would always turn out so bad. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I, I would have to have other people do the hand lettering and stuff for me because I just couldn't do it. And even to this day, like I, I still don't consider myself anywhere near a hand lettering artist or anything like that. Sometimes I'll try, like I just completed some stuff for Envision and I tried my hand at some hand lettering. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact it's horrible. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I don't want to just like type something out. I want it to be more handmade. Yeah. And, you know, and so I love that. Yeah, I do like, it was in the Adobe studio when I was there two weeks ago. You're your uh godzilla poster oh the 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 cyclops poster kanji yeah yeah with the kanji like i really like the kanji on there like that worked really well yeah that was i was really proud of that's that was one of the first times i really tried to do a poster where i did all hand lettering and Mm -hmm. like i i did so much research on it i had someone who actually spoke and knew how to write japanese they helped me they wrote out you know what what I should put uh, on there and everything, and then doing the actual hand lettering, I was like, okay, this is actually working. I'm so proud of this. And I was like, my 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 goal of being able to do at least one piece with great hand lettering is officially accomplished. But yeah. So yeah. So I'm gonna get into some some deep comments. Cause we talked a little bit about something, or you mentioned something a little earlier uh, in the episode. Back when it was, I don't think it was the first time. It might have been the first time I, I met you uh, in person. It was at Creative South when you were talking, mm-hmm. when you were speaking. And you mentioned that, I, I would say, like, what, dark time, you know, when you lost your job and everything. I was wondering if you could share a bit about that story, if it doesn't 
bring back too many sad sad yeah. memories because i don't want you to you know hate me for asking to talk about oh that. yeah no no it's 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 actually a happy memory now despite the <laughs> the unfortunate circumstances yeah i had been offered a job in uh, orlando i was living in jacksonville at the time and it was at an agency and so there were red flags from the mm-hmm. start that i chose to ignore one of them was we had to do some convincing but we'd like to offer you the job which I sh- my question at that time should have been like who did, who did you have to convince or what did you have to convince them of but I was so desperate to get out of the job I was in at that time that I didn't question it I just took it but I had to another red flag was like well you need to quit your current job before you can take this one yeah that's a big red flag right there and yeah so that was really weird and it, we were right in the middle of photo shoot too so like trying to nab my boss was an, almost near impossible <laughs> So, I mean, and it was just, I mean, he was like, and then can you start in two weeks? I'm like, I live in another city. I have to quit two jobs because I was also working at the ice rink at the time. Mm-hmm. So I had to quit two jobs and I had to move and, you know, leave my best friend. And I mean, it was just like, so I managed to get him to like extend it to three weeks. Mm-hmm. I will say like one of the best things that did come out of it is one of my friends, Megan. She started a week after me, came up to my desk, put a pencil cup on it, and said, you're the only other girl on the creative team, and I've decided we're going to be best friends. <laughs> That's like something out of a movie. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to be in her wedding this year. That is so cool. Is that the one that you're going to out here in California, or is that another mm-hmm. one? It is? That's no, so cool. That's the California cool. one. <laughs> so, I mean, that was you know, six years ago. So, anytime I'm out um, in San Francisco, she and I get together to get dinner and, and hang out and have a, a nice time. So... You know, that was that was one big positive that came out of it. But I moved for the job, got this cute little apartment, bless my parents. My mom went apartment hunting for me because she was she's retired and she's like, I want you to focus on like closing all the loose ends up there. I'll go see if I can find. And then she texted me at work and she's like, I found an apartment across the street from the ice rink. How's that? I was like, <laughs> it works for me. That's perfect. Yeah, and for the people who don't know, like you're a huge fan of ice skating. Like I, I'm always seeing yeah. stories of you ice skating and everything, and I'm like, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I'm a fan of figure skating, and I'm a figure skater, and I'm a coach. Jeez, so it's like, you're that's an overachiever. My, that's, that's my life outside of this. Yeah, I was just at Nationals two weeks ago volunteering, so... It was in Detroit and it was convenient, so I went to Nationals to to go watch some incredible figure skating and it was awesome. But it also like I was like, "Yay, my little heart's happy." <laughs> I was at that job for about three and a half months, and right before the holidays, it seemed like everything was good. They're like, "We love having you on the team. You're a great asset." Yada yada. I came back in January, and all of a sudden, like there was a really weird vibe. And something felt off. And I spent that whole month just feeling really on edge. And I thought, I'm getting fired. That's the only thing I can think. Like, something just tells me I'm getting fired. Mm -hmm. And on February 1st, uh, 2013, I got fired. Wow. And no no reason given because Florida's an at-will state. And they wanted me to sign forms. And in order to get my severance, um, I would have had to sign a form essentially keeping me from talking about them mm-hmm. ever again. So the one thing that they did that I really think they shouldn't have done was send me home with the forms. Cause I just had to, the one I signed there was just sign this to acknowledge that we've read it to you, but you can take it home, mm-hmm. read it through and then come back and sign it and we'll notarize it. And um, what they didn't realize is that I have parents that owned their own business and my mom took me to an employment attorney. Oof. 
so that we can <laughs> check through the forms and make sure that it wasn't going to screw me up for, you know, for the rest of my career. Yeah. And ultimately, like, he looked at the forms and he's like, your severance, he goes, half of this you earned already. Like, half of this is just your paycheck. So it's, you're only getting two weeks severance. They're, they wrote in here a month, but you're only getting two weeks. Is it worth that money for them to rent space in your head for the rest of your life? And he's like, you can sign it as is. We can call them and demand more money. Or you don't have to sign it. And I go, I don't have to sign it? He goes, you don't work for him anymore. <laughs> so what ended up happening, he just he called my mom afterwards um, as we were leaving. Because he, he had her number, not mine. And he just goes, let her know. He goes, just tell her when they call, and they will, when they ask for those forms, tell her all she has to say is, my attorney's name is this, his phone number is this, any further discussion can go through him. That is, that's, that's very powerful. It was a very big power move, and I felt like I had control of my life again. And that was about, that was a week after I got, yeah. I got fired too. So, and then that same day I got my first gig. See, and all stemming from that poster I did at the internship. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I love hearing that because, and this is something that, that you might not know. Like, I, I'm always talking about how, like, I went through a very rough time when um, when I was fired from my last job, when I decided I was going to go full-time freelance. And believe it or not, your story, because I, rem- I still remember to this day hearing your story up on stage at Creative South. What was it 2014 or 2015? I think it was 2014. I think it was 15 because I was fired. I was fired in 13. My first creative South was 14. Okay. And I spoke in 15. And then, so I've been there 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and then 19. So this is going to be like my seventh, sixth or seventh creative South. I think that if it was your fourth, six, because this will be my seventh that I'm I'm going to this year. And I've gone ever since 2013. Six. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I remember listening to you talk about this and talk about how, like, even then I feel like you you mentioned how it was still, like, it was good that you got out. And so when mm-hmm. I got fired, like, I actually, I feel like you actually got a better a better deal than I did because they didn't even give me severance. I'd been there for two years. Oh, wow. They were, I asked them, that was my first question. I'm like, what kind of severance are you giving me? And they're like, we don't give severance to terminated employees. And I was like, that's the whole point. Like, you give, and I was just like, I was so, I was upset at the time. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. And that was actually something people got mad at the company because they did that. But, you know, I walked out of there and at first I was like, I was so, I was so like dumbfounded. I was just like, I was so upset. But then like the drive from downtown San Diego back to my place, I was thinking, I was like, you know, Shauna had, had something similar happen to her. Look where she is today. Like she is a rock star in my mind when it comes to freelancing you know, I need to follow that. <laughs> if you guys, and since you guys can't see this, Shauna just like waved her hand like, oh, stop it. Um, but it's true. It's like, you know, if she can do this, then what, what's stopping me from doing it? And I was even at that time before, a week before, I was thinking about mm-hmm. going out on my own. And I look at that, like people always are, you know, oh God, that's, that must be a horrible memory. I'm like, no, it's a great memory because yeah. that made me, you know, I'm now, this is over two and a half years later. And I'm full-time freelancing. I'm making way more money than I worked at the company. I'm so much happier. And I'm really, like, I'm the emperor of my own, you know, destiny. And so yeah. I just I just had to say that because, like, you helped me out through that. And so I Aww. just wanted to call you out and be like, Sean is so awesome, guys. <laughs> I, I'm a huge, like, and I'm a firm believer in the power of manifestation. Like, mm-hmm. you manifest what you want. And I have a... 
I feel like that whole month that I spent thinking that I'm going to get fired, I feel like I probably to a degree manifested it. But there, there were other factors that led me to feel that way. And I wasn't happy there. I was constantly telling myself, like, I love my job. I love my job. I'm like, I don't love my job. <laughs> like, they had promised me certain things and certain clients that they didn't give me. Mm-hmm. They hired me for my lettering to work on Tijuana Flats. I didn't get Tijuana. They never gave me Tijuana Flats. Yeah. There were a lot of red flags, like, in the time that I worked there. And when I got fired, I was sitting on my couch with my parents. They, it took me 40 minutes to get home. I lived 15 minutes from this place. Took me 40 minutes to get home because it was rush hour traffic on a Friday. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> and so I got and I, I called my mom just like wailing in the parking lot. And she um so she she grabbed my dad and they hauled ass on I-4 on Friday in rush hour traffic from Daytona and got to my place about 10 minutes after I got home. And so we're all sitting on the couch and I said, I'm gonna start job hunting next week. And she goes, Why don't you just try freelancing? She goes, You've You've wanted to do it. If if it doesn't work in six months, go job hunt then. But you didn't come here to job hunt. You came here to work. And if you freelance, you can start doing You can try freelancing that lettering stuff you love doing. You can skate that rink across the street. You can make your own hours. You yeah. can work from this cute little apartment. You can get a dog. <laughs> and I was like, I could get a dog. And she goes, yeah, you could get a dog. She goes, you'd be working from home. You could get a dog. So I actually, like, it's, it's so funny because I went in and I just said, you know what? This is going to work. There are no other options. This is going to work. And then when I went when I went looking for a dog, I said, I want to get a rescue. I want something small, fluffy that's going to cuddle. And I started applying at different rescues, and I applied at Florida Little Dog Rescue, and they matched me up with him. There's a, it's, a lot, it's a lot longer of a story, but they matched yeah. him and I up. And he, at the time, he was small, but he was not fluffy, and he was kind of awkward looking. He didn't have a lot of hair. He was very flaky. He was still healing from a lot of issues that he had mm-hmm. had when they brought him in. But he'd been he'd been passed over by multiple adopters. Like a bunch of people apparently passed him up because he didn't look like the perfect cute little thing. But he was the perfect visual metaphor of what my life looks like. <laughs> I love that. I, that's that's so cool. <laughs> and within six months, I'd had a client. I had I'd had several clients. I'd done work for three and Post-it Note. Still have no idea how they found me. I just I, <laughs> I attribute it to the manifestation. Like I just said, it was it was going to work, and there was no other option. And once I got my first agent, who I'm, I'm no longer with, but I got my first agent, that's when he started to fluff up. And once my life felt like I was in control again, he was small, fluffy, and cute. He's exactly what I manifested. <laughs> I, I love that. I think that's, that's so cool. And, they, and people say, like, your dogs and your pets, they, they tend to, like, follow your emotions and everything like when i yeah. when i'm upset or when i'm stressed out you know my, my dog he he knows it and he comes up to me jumps mm-hmm. on me he's like just look at me just pet me i'm cute i'm soft you know yeah like he knows when he when i need that little bit of comfort and everything and it's cool that you yeah. know and teddy's your dog's name everyone who yeah. follows you who knows you knows how much of an amazing dog mom you are and everything mm-hmm. and i just i, I love that, that. But he's like the epitome of like of the growth of your career, and so that that's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. And now, like now, I'm, you know, living with my parents at their house while I get acclimated to Chicago and figure out where I want to be. And we've got four dogs here, so we've got you know, oh, two Yorkies. <laughs> yeah, two Yorkies. My sister's golden, and my dog. And one of the Yorkies we've had since I was in college. She's gonna she's gonna be nine, I think, this year. Oh wow. So she's just a little old lady. Yeah. Or no, she, no, she's nine. I think she's nine now. I think she's gonna be ten. 
Oh. So she's just like, she's just a little old lady, but she's the little matriarch of the group. And, <laughs> you know, but like the, the dynamic of the four animals is really weird. And of course, my sister has the golden who's massive, also named Bailey. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And she's a therapy dog. Oh. And so her way of she she'll go and she'll like ground my sister. If my sister's like having a having an anxiety attack, she'll go and like lay on my sister to to ground her. But with me too, she can always tell when we, when we all are, when any of us are a little stressed because she'll come over and she'll start like hitting you to have you rub her arm. Like that's her way of kind of cluing you in, except for the fact that she realized that if she just comes up to me and hands me her paw, she can just get it rubbed. (laughs) So I could be completely fine, but she'll walk up and she'll hit me and she'll, and and she's got really sharp claws right now because she's due for a grooming. Yeah. So she'll grab with her toes and it hurts but she will hit you until you take her hand and start scratching her (laughs) see my bailey and she called that out because my my dog's name is bailey and what he does is he does the same thing except for he just wants attention he he loves attention Mm -hmm. and he also his nails are kind of long so like they'll be every week it seems like i have new scratches on my arm for where he comes Mm -hmm. up and he just like scratches my arm like pet me my turn come on let's go yeah so I definitely know that feeling. So you, you talked a bit about, you know, that you've had an agent, which is interesting because that's mm-hmm. that's something that's different than uh, some illustrators. Uh, some illustrators like myself, we don't have uh, someone who's constantly fighting for us, uh, whether it's a agent mm-hmm. or maybe even a, a salesperson. And so I would love mm-hmm. for you to share a little bit about that with my, my listeners. You know, how did you go about getting your first agent? And how, how's that dynamic? Like, how do they go about helping you find clients and, and everything like that? So, like, it's different agent to agent. Mm-hmm. Like, some act more as, like, a studio manager and others are, like, let's put your work out there. Let's put the work out there. Let's put the work out there. And so it very much depends on, like, what roster you're on. And so the first roster, uh, it took me nine months to get on that one. And it was a very large roster, um, about 150 people. So it mm-hmm. ultimately like it was it was really great for the first like couple of years and then it really slowed down and it was because there were a lot of other people on the roster whose work was becoming similar. very similar. Yeah. So it, it worked against me, which is a lot of the reason why I did step back in and go out on my own. But they were I loved having them because if I had a client that was giving me issues, I could email my agent and just say, Hey, can you can you intervene? This is what's going on and they would jump in and take care of it. I had one client who was just a damn nightmare and (laughs) like scarred me. They were that bad. I never want a client that bad again. And my agent had to jump in several times in this job and make this, this client realize that they were essentially just insane without telling them they were insane. But like if, if I was on my own, it was just me. I would have been screwed because I wouldn't have known how to handle that sort of person. So through being with them, I did learn how to handle different personality types so i've now been on my own for about two years yeah a year and a half going on two years soon you know they would find me work they'd they'd match up clients to me things like that so i did work with some really amazing people and they would negotiate everything run the price by me Mm -hmm. i'd say yay or nay and that's how it worked and they take if i had questions about the contract they'd read through the contract they'd email me they'd say like hey this this section it means xxx but do you feel comfortable with this? Yeah. And I could say, you know, can we see if we can adjust that? Or, you know, 
I, or if I read through a contract and I didn't understand something, I could email them and say like, hey, can you look at this part of, you know, this and explain it. So it was really nice to have someone that could like kind of navigate and help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would get a cut of what I earned, which was fine because they took care of all the stuff that I couldn't do. Yeah. And I've heard many different, you know, percentages and stuff like I think because I've actually had a few agents come to me and they've, you know, wanted to represent me and everything. Mm-hmm. And I ended up turning them down because of the fact of like the percent because I've had mm-hmm. like one I almost agreed to was I think 15 percent. Mm-hmm. But there were others who were like 30%. And even they would be like, if yeah. if someone comes to you and not through me directly, you still have to give me, you know, a percentage. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't like that. And so that's, that was one of the reasons why I didn't go after having an agent. Yeah. And it very much depends like agent to agent. Like some will say all new work has to go through me. Mm-hmm. You can pick and choose what we take care of. Like right now I'm on, I'm not officially repped, but I am on an extended roster. Mm-hmm. So I have connection over at another agency who, when I have questions, I can email him and say, Hey, I'm working on this estimate. Can you just glance it over and make sure that this seems, you know, comparable price-wise to what you would what you would put out there or if it's a project comes in that I'm like I don't want I don't want to try touching this with a 10-foot pole because I will mess it up can you navigate it for me yeah he will pop in and he'll say like I can just flat out say like I'm going to direct you to my agent and you know and just make it or I, I can direct to my studio manager like he doesn't care if I call him that or agent or whatever and then they will take a cut if they do negotiate it like I've had a I've had one project with them that was that they came to me and said, like, we we think you're going to be a good fit for this, so mm-hmm. we're going to pull you onto it. So he gets a cut of that, which has been fine because he he negotiated everything, and I just do my job. But I have had a lot of work too, where I've just I've I've learned on my own a lot of it. I have friends like my friend Danielle Evans. When I first went on my own, if I was if I was making an estimate, I would email her, I I'd text her and I'd say, can you just glance at this and make sure that this seems right? And she'd go yeah. higher. <laughs> bring bring that price higher she goes start higher and then you can work your way lower if you have to yeah i have you know wonderful people that i can i can text and just be like hey can you help me and then i've and i've been on the receiving end of that too i've got friends that'll come to me and say like hey i'm i have this come in i don't know how to do usage rights how do i do this yeah and so i'll walk them through it and i'll help them and i'll give them my template and go from there and so it's just like a lot of it is you know, you know, freelancing, it's, it's can be very isolating, but as long as you have a network of friends, you'll never feel a hundred percent isolated because you'll always have a network you can kind of reach out to. But like having an agent does help, but it also to a degree can hinder because I have one, there was, there was a magazine in Orlando that I really wanted to work for. And they flat out told me like, we don't work with artists that have agents. And I'm like, they're like, cause it, their, their theory is they're too expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you do realize that like, I will work with your budget. I will take a price cut because I want to work with you. And I've actually heard the same thing. Like sometimes uh, I'll I'll talk to, you know, potential clients and they're like, yeah, we were going to work with so-and-so, but unfortunately they have an agent. The, the price was just way too high. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, but see, like a lot of people even say that my prices can be a little high, but the way that I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not just an illustrator, not just a designer. I'm a business person too. So I can sell, mm-hmm. you know, sell my prices to clients and explain to them why, yeah. you know, my prices are, are better. And that's why it's like when I hear, you know, thought or think about an agent or getting someone for sales, I'm like, I, I, I love doing that. I love that negotiation. Yeah. And I love, 
you know, the fact that I'm able to win a project, you know, based on the, my abilities and my abilities to talk to yeah. them and, you know, explain these things to them. I think the most honest, I think a lot of people seem to think that getting an agent is going to be the ultimate, you know, home free. Mm -hmm. I don't have to fight for a project ever again. And that's not true. And I really think that the most beneficial time to get an agent is when you have so much work that the business part of it is infringing on the time that you need for the work itself. Yeah. And I'm not at that point yet. So I'm, you know, and I, and the roster that I really like right now, um, that I'm on the extended one for, there is already someone on there who stylistically we would probably end up competing. So we probably, I will probably never be a full member of that roster and that's okay. Cause right now I'm okay. Still, you know, negotiating things on my own. Yeah, I think that it's it's something where, you know, every, no matter what, no matter who you are, there's always someone who does something similar to you. And mm -hmm. even if you try your hardest to be different than everybody else, someone else also does the same thing or similar or sometimes even better. Like, yeah. uh, you know, for instance, Nick Slater. I love Nick Slater. He's an amazing guy. He's a funny guy and everything. And I feel like if... If like it was just people looking at his work versus my work, he would win day after day. But when it comes time to actually pitching and stuff like that, you know, then I actually have have the chance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's just it's something that I feel like at least with me, I know it's not with everybody is that, you know, you have to be able to have those skills, especially if you're doing freelance. Mm -hmm. If you're working with an agency or if you're working at an agency then you don't necessarily need it because they can do that for you. They'll have somebody that can can do that. Yeah. But when you're on your own, it's a must. You have to be able to, yeah. to sell yourself and fight and everything. Because unfortunately saying like hire me because I'm awesome. Doesn't work. Even though it's true. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's true, like it's not going to land you jobs. Yeah. You know, and that's. And that's the hardest thing is justifying the reasoning why they should hire you, you know, and there's and unfortunately, it's a lot of people don't understand pricing. They don't understand mm -hmm. that. You know, they think their perception of what something is worth is not what it's worth. Yeah. Oh, this only took you five minutes. No, it took me 20 years. Yeah, You're just exactly. seeing five minutes that it took me to execute it. Yeah. You you put the worth on your own work. And the unfortunate thing is there are people that are going to be willing to uh, to lowball in order to get that big project. And it's it's not fair and it sucks, but they're going to get what they pay for. Yeah. You know, if you think hiring me is expensive... Wait till you hire someone cheaper than me. Yeah. And that it's so true. It's like and the biggest thing, especially with illustrators, I feel like we actually have a, a bit of a harder time because there's so mm -hmm. many illustrators out there. They've flooded the markets and people have this misconception that we just create pre pictures and that's what we do all day and that's mm -hmm. what what they're getting. And with me, it's, it's definitely different because I worked in branding. I worked in UI UX. And so I don't just create pretty pictures. I put strategy in it. You know, every time I create yeah. an illustration, I go deep into it. I find out, you know, not only what ideas the client has, but I also figure out, you know, what's the purpose of it? What's, you know, what is it supposed to describe? What is it supposed to communicate to their audience? The concept. Yeah. So it's really, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. And I, and I think too, like, you know, people don't realize that there are concepts that go behind it. Even the, some, even something as superficial as some of the work I do, there's still concept behind it. It may not be deep concept, but I had to brainstorm something. Oh yeah, definitely. So for those uh, listeners of mine out there who are wanting to break into the creative world, what kind of advice do you have for them? Like what kind of words of wisdom, you know, tips and tricks and, and stuff like that, that you can share 
to help them break into the creative world, the design world. I always say like, you know, work hard and be humble. You want to be yourself. You don't want to be a facade of yourself. Like if you're trying to be somebody else, it's not going to work. If you're trying to copy someone's illustration because that's what's working, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my dad put it perfectly. He goes, you know, they can't, they can copy your style, but they can't copy what's in your head. I love that. You know, they, they can't copy what's in your head and they can't copy what's in your heart. So they may stylistically look like you, but it won't be your work, you know? And so it's a lot of it is, you know, take that time to really practice and really kind of find your voice as an illustrator because if you jump in too soon and you go in expecting to get the big guns right away, you are going to be misfiring big time. I, I know people that come out of college and they're like, how do I work with Adobe? How do I work with the big guns? And I'm like, you got to work with the little guys first. Yeah, you got to, you got to, like, you got to, you got to crawl before you walk. Right. You know, I, I got very fortunate that, you know, Comarts happened so early in my career. So that did help me skip a couple steps, but I have still worked with, you know, individual companies and other people like the big guns are what you end up seeing in my portfolio because Mm -hmm. that's what's going to stand out. But I still share a lot of the little gun stuff. And I've had some projects that were fantastic. I've had some for like really major corps that sucked. Yeah. And if all you're going in for is the money, the money's great. You know, Mm -hmm. money's a good thing. You want money. (laughs) But if you're going in with the expectation that I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars this year just because I'm, I'm me. Like you're up against every other person out there. Yeah. What are you going to do? That's going to make you stand out from, you know, Timmy down the road. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's insane. Cause like you get a lot of these illustrators and designers, they come out of college and they're like, I'm going to freelance. I'm going to make a ton of money. I'm going to yeah. work with major companies. And then six months later, they're like, I don't know what happened. Like I, I, I need to find a job. Yeah. I've run out of money. I'm not getting projects. I would say work in a, in the field for two years. Exactly. Like work in an agency where you can make mistakes on someone else's dime and learn. And that's what I tell people. I tell people, you know, do that. Like learn on someone else's dime because the first few months that you work outside of college, you will learn 10 times more than you learned those four years of college. And yeah. I tell them, you know, while you're working for those, I always say, you know, between two to three years that you should also be freelancing because take that knowledge that you're gaining during your day job and do the things that you really want to do you know you could be because you can you can be picky yeah you can be very picky because you're not living off of those projects hopefully you know Mm -hmm. like if let's say you're a ui ux designer and you love illustration or you love hand lettering then just do that for freelance yeah like it's it's that simple because you can learn you know, working at an agency, you learn those hard things, like being able to talk to clients, present to clients, share ideas. Justify. Exactly. Oh, God. Justifying your stuff. Oh, my God. That's the, the biggest thing yeah. that you don't learn in college. And I don't think people realize this. Like, we don't go in saying, I'm going to make this piece because it's going to be dark and brooding and it's my inner soul on the campus. No, we, we make something because inherently... Deep down, we know what we want to make and mm-hmm. we know what we want to say, but we don't know how to say it than making the image. Yeah. We talk through images. We talk through through our illustrations and learning how to explain the reasoning, even if it's absolute BS. <laughs> oh, yes. I learned that in college. Like I did this one, this one screen print that my teacher pulled me aside one day, you know, rest his soul. He passed away a few years ago, but he was the person that really opened my eyes to the fact that like, we know what we're doing. 
we don't necessarily have to have a reason to do it. He, and he's holding my, you know, my screen print. He goes, I've been staring at this for days. What does it mean? <laughs> he goes, I, I can't figure out. I was like, do you want the real answer? Or do you want the BS answer? And he goes, what's the BS answer? And I just went on this like ridiculous yep. tangent. And he goes, what's the real answer? I was like, I thought it would look cool. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. It, it's, it's hard, especially in college to be able to give a real, like a, a, a strong real answer. Cause all you're taught is yeah. the BS answer and everything like that. Cause I know for me, when I got out of college, I was still in that mindset where I would give a BS answer to why I did something because mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of thought. There wasn't strategy behind it. And then it wasn't yeah. until I want to say my first year or yeah, after my first year, my second job. So like this was two years after graduating that I actually began to be able to communicate and to remember and to share all of the reasons yeah. behind it. And not only that, but be also be able to speak to a client directly without having stuttering or being nervous mm-hmm. or about to, you know, pee my pants because I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to mess this up. Yeah. So you learn all and that's, that stuff. I mean, yeah. And to be fair, you know, it's like I still stutter over my words because that's just how I talk. Like sometimes my mind is 10 miles ahead of where my mouth is yep. and I end up kind of tripping over my words. and. Mm-hmm. People have witnessed that, you know, it's, it's ridiculous and it looks ridiculous and it sounds ridiculous, but I know when that happens that I need to slow down, Yeah, you know, but sometimes I get so excited about what I'm talking about that like my brain keeps going and my mouth hasn't caught up yet. Yeah. We talk in a visual language Mm -hmm. and learning how to articulate that visual language is one of the hardest things you'll learn as an illustrator, but it's only something that's going to help you because you have to be able to justify your reasoning to a client as to why this is going to work even if inherently you're just like i know it's going to work yeah you have to trust me they have to back it up like yeah yeah like even if you know it's the best one and also if you're going to present things and you don't want them to go to a certain one make sure you flat out say like i feel like this one is going to be your strongest option it's almost like you have to kind of, you know, like that you know, musical Chicago, you kind of have to razzle-dazzle them and <laughs> kind of schmooze them towards what you want them to take and what you think is going to work by telling them and encouraging them towards that option. Yeah, and sometimes you just have to leave it off the page. There's been so many times where even with yeah. that razzle-dazzle, you know, that coaxing to go for, you know, mm-hmm. option one versus option, you know, 27 – Sometimes it's better just yeah. to leave it, leave it off completely. Cause like I've, especially when I worked at agencies, I would do that and they would mm-hmm. still go for the worst possible option. I'm like, no, yeah. please. If you're going to present things, make sure that you are happy with whatever you're presenting because you may end up doing the one that you're not, you're not a whole hundred percent in love with, but as long as you like it, you can get through it. Yeah. I recently, I don't do branding often. Branding is not my strong point. But every now and then, like, my friends will come to me and they'll be like, I need a logo for this. And I'm like, I'll do something in the meantime. Like, my dance coach from my old rink came to me and he's like, I'm starting this thing. You're the only, you know, you're one of the people I know that does really great work. I love your work. And I want to see what you do with this. And it was really hard because I had to think a complete opposite of how I normally do it because my style with what he was doing would have been too playful for the professionalism of it. Mm-hmm. But I found a way I presented three options. Cause he was like, I have this idea. 
I got to look at vintage typography. I got to look at vintage skating logos like ice capades and all that. And I went for it. <laughs> I still did hand lettering in it. And ultimately like the final one we went with wasn't normally, wasn't probably what I would have gone with, but I know the reasoning behind it. And mm -hmm. I still was able to make it look really cool with the right graphics to go with it. Yeah. And on its own, it's going to do its, it's going to do its job. Yeah. You know, and it was really fun because I got to use the typeface gooper. Um, <laughs> Which, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a really nice, like, 70s looking slab. Did you say Cooper? Gooper. Gooper. G-O-O-P-E-R. I gotta look that um, up while Kyle Latonder. Yeah, Kyle Latonder did it. Used it for his, one of his lettering books. And Ooh. I loved it so much that I went and I bought it on Future Fonts. And I wanted to find a reason to use it. And it just happened to work with this. And, yeah, my coach was like... I, he goes, I love it. That that works. It's exactly what I'm looking for. And so I was like, okay, now let me check the licensing on this because I want to double check. Because it was like the the licensing agreement was like, you can't use it for productions. And I was like, okay, I got I to gotta verify this because it's a production company that's going to put on ice shows. So I was like, I have to make sure that like we can use this. So I emailed the creator and he goes, I love getting emails like this. Thank you for checking. Go for it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I love that type. In fact, I'm going to try and try to keep it, uh, add it to the show notes. Cause this is actually a really, I'm not a, usually a big fan of, of these like retro feeling mm -hmm. typefaces, but this one is actually really cool. I, I really like, it. and I think I could get some good use out of it. Oh yeah. It's a good header font. Oh yeah. It's really for headers. Like the way that Kyle used it in his book. I'll send you a link later. It's fantastic. Because I think you can like find the old Etsy listing with like samples of the page or like on his Instagram. But yeah, that one and then Ricochet. That's another one on future fonts that I really like. Yeah. But that one hasn't been 100% built out. So it's missing a lot of glyphs currently. Mm. But it, for anything that doesn't require like hyphens or you know, you just need it as like a, a header. It's really beautiful. Yeah. I definitely, I'm going to definitely check that one out too. If you could send me the link to that one. Cause yeah. I'm always looking for typefaces. Like that's the biggest thing is yeah. because I'm not a hand lettering artist, I sometimes need good typefaces to go with illustration. So that's actually uh, perfect. Yeah. And the nice thing with future fonts is like, it's stuff that's in progress. So you get to support the creator while they're making it. Oh, okay. So like they constantly are updating it or, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So that's really cool. Yeah. So like Gooper started out as like i think one weight and now they have a bunch of weights that's really cool same with a bunch i, I think like do you know dave coleman dave coleman yes i i, the I Australian. know that yeah i know the name i would have to see the the work yeah. i i recognize the name glasses so. yeah he and his wife are adorable they have a baby now didn't they come, they come to creative, to creative south? south yeah yeah that's, yeah that's where i was like I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. He's got a couple on there too that he's, mm. that he's developing. So like future fonts is fantastic. I, it's future fonts.xyz. Yeah. That's, it's really it's interesting. I'm going to, you're, you're now going to, going to have me spending money on fonts. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I like, I love like Adobe type kit, which is now Adobe fonts. Like I love that. But some of those, some of those really like fun ones that aren't there yet. Future fonts is just like it's a really fun resource, and you get the yeah you know, the excitement of supporting a typographer. Yeah, I actually just started working a lot more type after uh, taking uh, Aaron Draplin's Skillshare course. I mm -hmm. oh god, he's so freaking talented. I know. Like I'll just watch him just to watch him. Like I've watched all of his Skillshare videos. And I'll, sometimes I'll, if I'm bored or if I'm like need a little bit of mm -hmm. inspiration, I'll go on there and just watch one of his videos, even if I've seen it a million times. Yeah. I just love it. That's like, I love watching uh, Mary-Kate McDevitt's and Jessica Hish's Skillshare classes because I love watching people geek out about what they do. 
<laughs> I've taken workshops before where I'm like, I don't even need to get anything out of this. I just want to watch them geek out about what they do. Yeah. Or like Danielle Evans, you know, one of my, she's one of my really good friends and she did a food typography workshop at Creative South and I signed up for it because I was like, I want to support you <laughs> and I want to watch you geek out on this and I want to watch you make. Yeah. You know, and that was, and that was when we were still early on in our friendship. And now, you know, she'll send me like in progress stuff and she's like, what do you think of this? You know, or like when I was doing, I did an Ursula fan art piece and I sent it to her and I was like, I remember that. Thoughts? Yeah, and she's like, I love it so much. And she was like giving, she was like, I want to, she's like, try doing like pink and blue highlights instead of just like a, a white highlight. And it took the piece one step further. It's so amazing. Like all of these relationships we make, especially like going to conferences, like I've got a podcast episode that's going to be coming out around maybe even before this one. And I talk about like the power of Creative South and the power of making so many amazing mm-hmm. friends there and everything. It's, it just always boggles my mind, especially with that conference in particular. Yeah, I, I love that it's continued to get as big as it is. And it's really crazy going to it because I know I'm sure you've, you run into the same thing where you end up talking to people constantly for several days. Oh, yeah. And there have been times that I've been like on my way to a talk to go watch someone and someone will stop me and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be an a-hole. I'm going to talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> There's only been one time that I have said to someone, one minute, hold on, I need five minutes. And I just like, because I was like, I was on my way to the bathroom. I Same like, here. I have to pee. That was the exact, and yeah. It's always that. I was like, if you can just wait like five minutes, I just have to pee. I'll come back and I'll give you all my time. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's weird going there because it feels like you're, it's like you're a name there and it's weird. Yeah. But it's also really humbling. It is. It's like the first because it, it wasn't until I want to say my third time going. The second time I went to Creative South, it was the people that I knew that I met the previous year. But then the third year that I went... You know, people are like, oh, my God, you're Rocky Rourke. And I'm like, what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then every year after that, it just increases and increases and increases. And now this year I'm speaking and it's like it's yeah. going to be blown out even more. Like my wife's coming yeah. with me to, to bring see. cough drops. Oh, God, yes. Cough drops. Yeah, yes. bring cough drops for your throat. Yeah. Because it's just trust me. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Like I, I already know. It's just it's going to be interesting because last year at Adobe Max, my wife came uh, with me, my fiance at the time. She came with me to Adobe yeah. Max and she was blown away by the people coming up to me like, oh my God, you're Rocky. And there's 10,000 people plus yeah. at this event. And now it's going to be like going to Creative South. It's going to be blown out, you know, even bigger. And so yeah. she's just going to be like, by the end of it, she's going to be like, oh my God, another person coming up to you, talking to you, really? But it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's like outside your industry, you don't get that. So it's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Is there anything interesting, any projects that you're currently working on that you can share, ones that you just finished up that you can share? I'm actually going to be out in San Jose in two weeks. Ooh. Doing, yeah, I get to, one of the projects I did last year in October was a mural for Prudential. And (laughs) yeah, it was awesome. And what it was is it was for a women's conference. And so I was in a building with Serena Williams on stage and... (laughs) Um, Amal Clooney was there and I was like she's still like a mile away but I'm breathing the same air as Serena Williams <laughs> but it was myself uh, Lauren Hom, uh, Lauren Requio mm-hmm. I think I probably said her last name wrong but she and Lauren Hom are, are besties and um, Anne Chen and we had just like a fantastic time we each did a mural and because they wanted to have female illustrators female mm-hmm. lettering artists and so each of us had a mural there and then the only person that unfortunately didn't make it was Lauren Hom because she's booked out like five years in advance. So we oh had, um, yeah, we had we had another artist there, uh, Steffi. I think it's like Have a Nice Day. I think that's her uh, Instagram handle. Um, anyways, so the four of us were there. 
live drawing on cosmetic bags. And by the end of the day, my hand was killing me because I've never drawn for 12 hours straight like that. And so this time around, I'm hoping to kind of stick in some breaks <laughs> so that I can give my hand a time to relax because I've never had my hand throb at the end of the day before. But I will be out there in two weeks doing live drawing again, probably on cosmetic bags um, at a conference in San Jose for women. That is so cool. Um, I think we can definitely, I don't know if this will air before then, but if even if it, if it doesn't, we'll try to include a link to that in the, the show notes. Yeah. I'm assuming this won't air before next Thursday. So I have Facebook stickers coming out. Ooh. Well, we'll definitely share those, share some images of those. I'm excited to, to see that. I'm excited to see yeah. anything that you put out. <laughs> I did those a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were done July 2017. You know, it's it's interesting because I worked, my first project after going full-time freelance two and a half years ago was actually a project for Facebook that never went live. And so I oh, literally no. cannot share. I produce, I think, over a dozen illustrations. I've always wanted to share them and I can't share them because it never went live. And I'm just like, <laughs> I want yeah. to like these i haven't been able to share them yet so i'm excited for them to finally oh yeah because and that's gonna be great because that's like it's something that's gonna be amazing to share because of the fact that like this is facebook and valentine's Mm -hmm. day and everything it's like i just did illustrations for envision for valentine's day so it's really cool so where can everybody there's gonna be stuff in the show notes but for those of you who are listening who can't get to the show notes or anything like that you know where can everybody find out about you and your amazing work so my website is shaunalyn.com and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Parmesan. I love, can you actually explain where did you get the, the Shauna Parmesan? So my last name looks like someone smacked a keyboard. Um, <laughs> it's, it's got one, one vowel. So technically, well, if you count Y as a vowel, it's got three, but it's mainly consonants. And um, in high school, someone goes, yeah, I'm just going to, I just call you Shauna Parmesan because I can't say your last name. <laughs> and then I found out um, at that agency that fired me, another one of the people I worked with, he's like, oh yeah, I just call you Shauna Prosciutto because I can't say your last name. I'm like, what's with my last name and food? <laughs> at the time I was like, I don't want to buy 10 different domains mm-hmm. and redirect all the misspellings. So I did Shauna Parmesan for several years and now I finally acquired Shauna Lynn. But I don't want to change all my Instagram and Twitter handles because you can't get Shauna Lynn right now. <laughs> yeah, it's that's always the thing because like I'm I'm trying to get a, a handle for my personal business, Blue Cyclops, and the only mm-hmm. one that I couldn't get it for was Instagram. The person was like, "Hey, like I'll I'll sell it to you or give it to you or anything like that," but we're still trying to figure out how to do it because Instagram has those weird guidelines and stuff like it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like my friend Megan was actually able to get. She hers used to be like oh that Megan and now and then it was Megan Ryan and now it's just straight Megan because I guess that one was a it wasn't available but it was an account that was dead mm-hmm. and her fiance happens to work at Instagram and I think he pulled some strings. Oh l- lucky her! I I want to get the yeah. Instagram verified sticker like that. Oh that oh, would I be. I want a that dream. so badly. I know, right? I'm I'm still gunning for it. I've tried and I can't get it. I'm trying to make friends at Instagram, so eventually, because I, I have friends at Twitter, and I could get the, I could get verified and everything on there. But for me, Instagram is where I would love to get verified. That'd be yeah. so awesome. I tried Twitter, and I couldn't get it either. I'm like, I'm a published author. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, but I want to I want to give a big thanks for you taking your time. Like the recording here is like an hour and 23 minutes. I have no idea what the final cut will be, but that's just insane. Thank you so much for, you know, giving me so much of your time and for being one of the first people to be interviewed for the Design Break podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm already like I'm sitting here and just like how you said how you think about things, you know, so far ahead. I'm already thinking like, okay, I want to bring her on and do an episode on X, Y, and Z because there's so much I feel like we could still talk about. Yeah. Hey, I'm game. (laughs) Just let me know. Sounds good. And I'll see you at Creative South in a couple months. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Shauna. And I hope you have a great, you know, rest of your day, your weekend and everything like that. And I can't wait to see those uh, Facebook stickers. Again, there's all that stuff's going to be in the show notes, and I'm excited to just even create the artwork for this episode. So, <laughs> well, thank you again for having me on. Have a great day. All right, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of the Design Break Podcast. If you guys would like to find the show notes to this episode or any other episodes, please head over to www.designbreakpodcast.com forward slash episodes. This episode of the Design Break Podcast was written and produced by me, Rocky Rourke, with special thanks to my podcast editor, Lorraine Varone. And if you like what you hear so far, please remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about the Design Break Podcast, follow us on all social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at The Design Break, for great new content that will be shared beyond just what you hear in this podcast. And if you'd like to see what I'm currently up to, you can follow me on any social media platform at Rocky Rourke.